Welcome to I Speak Human, a podcast about navigating the human experience by way of the stars. I'm your host, intuitive astrologer, Akashic record reader, and fellow human, Victoria Greer Stevens. Join me each week as we look to the stars to answer life's big questions. Who are we? Where are we going? And why are we here? This is I Speak Human. Hello and welcome back to I Speak Human. I'm your host, Victoria Greer Stevens, astrologer, intuitive, Akashic record reader, and most importantly, fellow human. And I'm so flipping excited to be back for my second episode. Woohoo! I, oh, it's my favorite number right now, 1221. That's my lucky number. Super powerful number for me. It's also my life path number in numerology. Just starting right out of the gate, apparently, with this episode being woo-woo as fuck. And when I say woo-woo, I just mean aware of the cosmic mystical energy that is all around us all the time. And thank you for being here. Thank you for being on this planet. Thank you for bringing your love and your compassion here and sharing what's going on. I am recording this episode just a few days after I recorded my initial, the episode one, because there's just this really beautiful flow of energy. Just to timestamp this for you all, currently it is November 12th, 2020. At uh, roughly this episode was started 1221 p.m. Central time in Nashville, Tennessee. And there is a conjunction happening uh, between the planets of Pluto and Jupiter. And if you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw me talk about this. This will come out after that date, of course, but you probably saw me talk about this. um, And I'll probably continue to talk about it because it's it's a big point in our evolution. Jupiter, this is the third time that Pluto and Jupiter have come together this year. And when Pluto and Jupiter come together, it is this explosion of both. These are very strong planets of healing. So these very strong, powerful planets of healing are coming together in the sign of Capricorn. It's also very close to Saturn as well. And Capricorn is the government, it's the structures, it's the patriarchy, it's organized religion, it's masculinity. And what's happening is there's a transformation that, but that's what's happening in the macro. But if we look at what's happening in the micro, we're also experiencing transformations that are going on inside of us of this ego of this masculine. And when I say masculine, I mean, man, and like this is happening, whether you're born male or female, you are both, you are both masculine and feminine energy. And masculine is the planet I mean, is the energy of doing, it's activity, it's the external world, while the feminine, really, if you want to just simplify them, masculine is external, feminine is internal. And you can even see that in the genitalia of the anatomy of a male and a female. The penis is an external is an external sex organ while the vagina is an internal, it's more internal and it's more hidden. So you can even see that in our anatomy and... But I'm, what I'm talking about is the energy of masculine and femininity. And I even talked about this back on the Generator podcast because there's just this shifting happening. And I see this Pluto-Jupiter conjunction as this divine shift of healing and transformation. Pluto is a planet of explosion. This planet, these planets of revolution, of transformation, they're coming together in the sky. And Jupiter is a huge planet and Pluto is a really tiny planet, but it's a lot being discovered. Jupiter is also about finding your truth and what you value and your faith. So this happening in the sign of Capricorn, and this isn't a sign that Pluto has been going through since 2008 and um, Jupiter has been in there since uh, December of 2019. So almost a year, it's finishing up its year cycle and going to be soon moving into the sign of Aquarius along with Saturn and 
um, toward in the coming the end of this year, beginning of 2021. And so this is really closing a chapter. This is the final, you know, if we're, if it's part one, part two, part three, this is part three. And we've already seen Jupiter and Pluto uh, meet up in the sky. And that has a lot of into, there's a lot of things that could be happening there. Number one, um, Pluto and Jupiter, it's mass spread. It can also be, this is a sign of extreme wealth. So I believe like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, they have this aspect in their charts. It's like just extravagant wealth. So one of the Pluto-Jupiter conjunctions that happened earlier this year was actually when the stimulus check was released. Um, and so that's a large, massive, and here in the United States, that's a large, massive sum of money that's being released um, through by the government, which again, Capricorn is government. So you can just kind of see that taking place. But what I mean, I think we're already starting to see it of its transformation right now, the third, it's transformation of power. And it's this, that's one thing that's happening. And we're taking our power back as a people and the, you know, the tides are turning and it's shifting and it's a painful explosion and healing is painful. Healing can be explosive. It can be if everything's tearing down to be, to make room for what's coming. And that's what's happening right now. And so we're feeling this internally, we're feeling this externally, but I feel like a lot of us are feeling it in the terms of we, we need this shift in our lives. And it's, it's it's taking healing and courage, but it's taking leaning in. But this isn't a new story for us. If you've been feeling this energy, this transformational energy, you've been feeling this all year long. So I'm hoping, you know, as this year closes, that we'll begin to feel some solace and maybe not shift, maybe not like a final done or it's no more, but at least things kind of start to settle and we're seeing like where the chips are going to fall. Cause this whole year has just been a fucking clusterfuck. I mean, I feel like I have to say fuck that many times. It's just been a fucking clusterfuck of just shit that we've all been going through. And we've been going through this on a collective level and every single person has been affected by 2020. If you're listening to this podcast, you've been affected by 2020. You've been affected by what's gone on this year. And I'm really grateful that I haven't experienced a lot of what people have, but I'm still part of this human race. I'm still part, we're all connected. So when one of us is hurting, we're all hurting. And that's, that's healthy. That's good. We should be feeling the pain of each other because that's how we're going to move forward. When we disconnect from each other and we isolate to the point that we're not seeing how the other one's affected and we think that we're not connected, that's when real harm is beginning to happen in our world and in our species. So this is a this is a time of really being aware of our connection points. And that's how we're going to start to heal. So I don't see it as a scary thing. I see it as a necessary thing for us to continue moving forward. And as we begin to move into 2021 and beyond, just asking ourselves, what story are we wanting to write? And I really feel that's what this time is giving us is it's it's a it's an erasing and the pen is in our hand. And if we'll realize it, if we'll be aware that, wow, we are so powerful, we are capable of having whatever we want, we're going to be able to create magical lives that help so many people and really revolutionize the world. And if we, our perspectives, if we can begin to honor our unique perspectives and each other's perspectives and come together during this time, we're going to see great transformation. But that starts with going inward. That starts with looking at what's going on inside of us. And it's one of the things that I think is so powerful about astrology is we're literally seeing our unique blueprint because we've been conditioned. We've been conditioned into what to believe, what to think, how to function with our bodies, how our sex lives, our how we spend our money, how we think, how we eat, it's all conditioning. And But we have a unique blueprint that when we follow it, it's our soul song. And we begin to dance in harmony with the universe. And it's absolutely beautiful. And But part of that 
we need a blueprint sometimes because we've gotten so we've forgotten why we came here. We've forgotten what we were here to do and we can't really begin to discover it and walk into it until we get connected with who we are. Because guess what? The age of the guru, the age of the teacher, the age of this pastor, this above power, that shit's over. You are now the teacher. You are the one who is carving your own path. You are the one with the vision that you're going to create in your own life. And For me, that path really started when I started just seeing my own soul. And the more I started understanding my own soul, the more I was able to put language to it and activate it. So that's a really fun intro into what we're doing today. It's a very Sagittarius way to go into this, by the way. Very like, let me tell you how this has saved my life and let's talk about it now. But I am a Sag. I have a lot of Sag energy. I have Mars and Sag. But in Vedic astrology, side note, I have a stellium in Sagittarius. So I have a lot of Sag energy. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the planets. We're going to look at the chart. We're going to take a look at what the hell all this is. And I'm going to have glyphs in the show notes. I'm going to have different links in the show notes of where you can go and get your chart of where you can see these different images that I'm talking about. I have links to my Instagram. I do a lot of teaching there um, about the different things I'm going to be talking about. But first of all, we're going to just get real basic for a second, okay? And first thing you want to do is understand the components of what you need to get your chart, right? So as we talk, I would say like, just get, if you're going to listen to this podcast for any length of time, go ahead, download your chart. I promise at some point you're going to want to know. So go ahead and do it. And just just learn about it casually as you go. Reference your own chart. That's the best way, I think, to learn astrology is to learn it through your own chart. So first thing you need when getting your chart is you need your correct birth information. So what that means is you need your birth date, the day you were born, your birth time, your exact birth time, and your birth location. So normally location and date, it's pretty easy. And then time, you know, for a lot of people, they don't know their time or they think they know it or their mom's like, you were born at about this time. And, you know, really in astrology, you need that exact birth time. So it's on your birth certificate, nine times out of 10. And if it's not, call a hospital, get it. Unless your mom is like a Virgo and she's like, you were born at, you know, 6.57 p.m., Cool, but most uh, most people aren't going to remember their child's birth time perfectly accurately unless they, you know, are an astrologer actually care because it's just not something that we have to reference a lot. Um, so, yeah, get your correct birth time, and then the next thing is finding a chart that's easier to read. So I look, look, guys. <laughs> Uh, I know you love CoStar. I know you do. I know. And I know you love the, you know, the different boxes. I think Cafe Astrology, they go through and they list it. Um, But you're not going to learn how to read your birth chart like that. You're just going to get the information. So, and every, and you won't know how to read anybody else's birth chart. So you can have that. If you want to know that your sun is in Sagittarius and you want to know that your moon is in Taurus and you want just to know the things, you can go do it. Go get CoStar, go get whatever, and it'll just give you these blocks of it'll say just, you know, Mercury in Pisces or whatever. Um, But what I really am wanting you guys to do if you want to be a good little astrology student and really be able to not only be able to read your chart, but everybody else's, because that's cool as shit, right? And you're not having to like put everything in a system. Like I can just look at a birth chart and I'm like, oh, this is what it means. So if you want to get that, which I highly encourage it, use an app I like called Time Passages. It's a fantastic app. The free version, you can get your birth chart. I think even maybe a few others. If you do spend the money and buy, I think it's like 50 bucks and get the pro, you can have an unlimited amount of charts and save them and categorize them. So if you're 
like an astrology enthusiast, I highly recommend the pro. I got it when I was just studying and it was, it's amazing. Like I have like Bill Gates chart and Lynn Manuel's chart and I have like Joe Biden's chart and I just, Michael Jordan's chart and I just collect charts. And then I also have my friends and clients and um, even different events and stuff that happen. I'll just save them and, and reference back to refer back to them as resources when I'm learning. So that's a little tip. So that's the first thing. And I'm going to link that time passages that um, I'm going to link that in the show notes. And then the next thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to decide what house system you're going to use. So if you're going to be following this podcast, just switch it to whole sign. That's what I use. That's what I'm going to teach with I'm not saying that is the only one. I'm not saying that's the right one. So let me just kind of, if you don't know what I'm talking, if you do know what I'm talking about, you're like, okay, cool, whatever. If you don't, then you might be confused. So what a house system is, is it's the way that the chart is divided up in a circle. So a circle is 360 degrees. Astrologers over thousands of years have been debating what's the best way to cut that up. So... There's one that is called equal sign housing, and that's all the houses are equal, um, but the ascendant starts your birth chart. And so what that means, so like, for instance, my ascendant is at, I believe, four degrees of Leo. So that would mean that my chart starts at four degrees of Leo. So because my chart is so close to zero, that's not, it does my chart really doesn't change that much when I take it through the different house systems. But if your chart, for instance, was set at like 29 degrees of Capricorn, then all of a sudden your chart is starting at 29. So your whole first house becomes part Capricorn because it has to go 30 degrees and part Aquarius. So your first house is in between two different signs. So that, but they're all equal. And then there's other ones that they make the houses smaller based on how many degrees it is. It just gets really confusing. So whole sign housing is when, okay, your Leo, your Leo rising, your first house is Leo. And that sets up your chart. The next one is going to be Virgo. So it's called whole sign houses. So the entire house is that one sign. So this is what a lot of professional astrologers use. I call my nerd astrologers who are like, this is a science for them. They're not pop astrologers. So Placidus is kind of a pop astrologer thing. Um, It's a meaning popular astrology. I'm not hating on it. It works. It has its you know, it has benefits, but it's not the one I use. And it's not the one that my teachers use. There are people that I know and really respect that use Placidus, Cock, there's Camperness. um, And I may not be saying all these right, but um, there's equal housing. The one I use is whole sign. So that's my spiel, whole sign. If you want to use a different one, cool, but it's going to be harder to understand what I'm saying. So you do that by going into settings, house settings, choose whole sign, moving right along. So that's kind of all the formalities out of the way. And the rest of this, we'll just talk about what everything is. So let's first, we're going to go over the main points of the chart. And I'm not going to dive deep into all these points because I'm going to do whole episodes on them. But I'm just going to give some highlights about these different points in your chart so that when I say them over time that you're like, okay, yeah, I know what this is. And you can refer back to this episode as like a study guide. So The first thing that's so important in your chart is your rising sign. So you'll kind of hear about the big three, sun, moon, rising. Um, I know an astrologer that likes calling it SMR, and she's trying to get that started. And I think that's fantastic, sun, moon, rising. So your SMR, your sun, moon, rising. um, So the first thing is your rising sign. That is the sign that was on the ascendant when you were born. So it was on... Um, the horizon at your birth. So for me, Leo was. And so I am four degrees of Leo is my ascendant. So your ascendant is your personality. It's how you come off. It's your, it also can represent your physical exterior. So for instance, like Leo risings will a lot of times have really great hair and like awesome eyebrows or at least really thick hair. And me and my partner both are Leo risings. We both have a ton of hair and we like love our hair. It's like a thing for us, like a lion. Um, They tend to be pretty stubborn. 
Um, Leo Risings are also generally dramatic or have some sort of background in performing, which we both do. That's actually how we met was performing. But this is kind of your, yeah, your personality. It's not necessarily the part of you that you resonate with deeply. Um, It is part of who you are, but it's more of, yeah, hobbies. Um, it, but again, it can represent your physical body. But yeah, it's it's yourself. It's who you, it's kind of your human self, your human body. And then we have your son. And your son is your essence. It's your soul. It's this light. It's this divine spark. It's what lights you up. It's you, it's your it's your essence and your core. So your sun can also represent your more masculine energy, your more active energy. So it's where you shine and how you show up in the world. So working with your sun is really powerful because sunshine, like when you're very solar or when you're working with your solar energy, your soul essence is coming through and everyone can see it and feel it. And it's warming them, right? That's what the sun does. It warms. And then your moon is it's reflective. So think about the moon. It's it's reflecting the light, but it's not actually creating light itself. This is really the part of you that you're going to resonate with. So this is also can be representative of your physical body. Um, but this is your nurture. This is how you nurture yourself. This is also can represent the mother. It's your most intimate part of yourself. So if you kind of want to think about like the sun as the yang or the masculine energy, the moon as the yin, the feminine energy, so these different two parts of you. And then the rising sign is kind of the container that's holding that the two there are the two of them so that's like the trinity right so sun moon rising it's your physical rising it's your physical body it's your physical self it's your personality it's your traits it's your quirks um your sun is your essence your masculine energy how you're you know that that fire that's coming through and then your moon is your feminine energy it's your nurture it's how you connect with people on an intimate level And so those are kind of your three parts of your being. And then we move into the next planet, which is Mercury. And Mercury is how you communicate this sun, moon, rising energy. So your Mercury, it's also how you think. It's how you're processing information. So if you hear, I say I'm a very mercurial person. I'm very talkative. I communicate with ease. I really love learning new information. I like the way I process information. I like to process information. I like to think. So Gemini, Virgo, if you have a lot of that energy, you're, you can be very mercurial. I actually don't really have much of either, but my Mercury is very prominent in my chart and squares my moon. And again, in Vedic, I do have my Jupiter in Gemini and my moon in Virgo. So Vedic and sidereal, I guess that's probably another thing I should go over. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Vedic, sidereal, and then tropical, Western. Um, So tropical astrology or Western astrology is what most of us are familiar with. So that's based on the fact that that's like saying generally that from November 22nd to about December 21st, that Sagittarius season. In Vedic, that time's actually shifted back about 24 degrees. So your signs start changing drastically. Um, I really think both are interesting. If you're just starting out with astrology, honestly, again, you're listening to this podcast, learn tropical Western astrology. That's what you're going to see the most about. And later, if you want to get really geeky and learn about different types, yeah, hit me up happy to teach that and help you learn about that. But again, for the sake of this podcast, Western astrology, but you may hear me reference it from time to time. So it's fun to know, look it up. Um, But, and it's also not wrong. So if you resonate more of that, cool, go with that and then listen to it through that lens. But that might be something you want to connect with me one-on-one. So feel free to email me, victoriagreerstevens at gmail.com or DM me at victoriagstevens on Instagram. So back to... So Mercury is more how you're communicating, how you're thinking. And then the next planet that we're going to come to is I'm have to like go through the planets in my head. Mother very early <laughs> made. Okay, cool. Uh, Mercury and then Venus. So Venus is how you're like relating to other people. And it's also what you value. 
it represents money. It represents how you spend money. Um, it represents how you show up in your relationships. It represents romantic relationships. It can, um, but it's what you love and what is important to you. So Venus is um, considered a benefic, specifically in a night chart. So a benefic means like a, po- a more positive energy, whereas a malefic means like maybe a more negative or harsher energy. And then a night chart would be if you're, uh, sun is in the house of one, two, three, four, five, or six. And then a day chart would be if your sun is in this uh, house is seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So again, if that's super confusing, just let it go. Let it go over your head. Pull an Elsa. Let it go. Let it go. You didn't think you were going to get Barbara Streisand trying to sing Frozen. <laughs> oh, Babs. Anyway, back to the show. So your Venus is, it's what you're valuing. So, and it's, it's, it's Venus rules Libra and it rules Taurus. So Taurus is all about the five senses. It's all about luxury. It's money. Uh, Taurus loves money. They love quality. They love good things. They love good food. They love some good sex, but they want like the sex with the chocolates and the strawberries and the soothing music and the champagne. And then they want to curl up in the all real fur blanket naked in front of a fireplace where they can hear the ocean crashing. And like, that's how they want to connect with their lover. Um, and then a Libra energy is a bit more like chatty and flirty and fun and want to go shopping and they want things to look beautiful, but they also like really love law and they love fairness and they love equality. Um, Libra is beautiful with words. If you're somebody that has a lot of strong Libra energy in your chart, you may be just wonderful at creating balance and harmony and saying things in a beautiful way or thinking through things. But Libra loves companionship and they love partnership. I have my Le- I have a moon in Libra, so I really feel I want every voice to be heard and I want all the points of view to be balanced and I want harmony. That's Venus. Venus wants harmony, right? So where you find Venus in your chart, it's going to be what you value. It's going to be maybe even what you want to spend your money on, but it's going to be where your self-worth is. So for me, I have my Venus um, in Aquarius, so that's going to change it a little bit. I'm a little bit more independent when it comes to relationships. Um, I don't necessarily get as emotional about things um, as some people do. I can kind of, I'm, I'm okay with things taking time. Um, and it's so in my relationships in general, I'm, I'm pretty practical. Um, not saying I don't ever have my moments, but that's my overall feeling is I'm pretty practical. And I see everybody is like, nobody's my friend, nobody's my enemy no one's my lover, everyone's my teacher. And again, not saying I don't ever have moments where I don't feel like that, but that's kind of my, my way that I personify what I value. I value knowledge, I value innovation, I value self-expression. And Aquarius is very forward thinking. So I actually, it also represents like your aesthetics and what you like. So I really love kind of out there avant-garde odd things. Um, So, yeah, I like things that are a little quirky, very Aquarian. Um, And then you have your Mars. Your Mars is how you – I've heard – I'm not making this up. I've heard a million astrologers say this. Mars is how you fuck and how you fight. So Mars is your masculine – you know, the sun's your – if you want to think about masculine energy, think of Mars and Sun, and then feminine energy is Venus and the Moon. So Mars is like your ego. It's how you show up. It's also like athletic. So if you have a lot of martial energy or a lot of Aries energy or even Scorpio energy, you might be very athletic or at least like you like to fight. I find that Scorpios aren't necessarily as athletic, but they like to fight and they're combative and they're intense. And Scorpios are more about sex, I would say. Um, You hear that a lot, but it's this like masculine, like I want passionate, like in Scorpio rules the genitalia, right? Um, Whereas the 
Aries energy of Mars. It's more the ego, the masculine, the fiery, the angry, the passionate, the go get this because I want it. Red is associated. So like when you as and again, this isn't male or female. So like as a female, like yesterday, I wore this super sexy red lingerie set with um, leopard knee high thigh highs and leopard print heels and a red lipstick like fire engine red and I was totally vibing like my martial side and that felt super I felt really passionate and sexual yesterday um so you can use the energy of Mars by putting on red lipstick or wearing more red or getting into that more fiery or even you can use black as well but I, I find that the the hot colors I think are a little bit more dynamic. Um, so that's your Mars. So you, and depending on where your Mars is. So for instance, if you have Mars and Libra, you might fight really beautifully and you might not, you might be really hesitant to start fights. You might not necessarily want to be in fights with people that might really bother you because Libra rules harmony and it's a Venusian, it's a Venus ruled sign. And then Mars comes in there and like wants to fight. I love this example though, because Libra's, uh, Mars and Libra will fight beautifully. So again, I'm going to do episodes where I go through every Mars and every single sign. I'm going to go through the sun and every single sign. I'm going to go through the moon and every single sign. So if I hit on your Mars, cool. If I don't, wait for the episode. We'll get through all of them. And we're going to go through all the houses. So you have signed up for a long, free educational course in astrology. But today is the overview, ladies and gentlemen. So that's so that's Mars. And then so those are that wraps up your personal planet. So your personal planet is like this is parts of who you are. And then as you get throughout the solar system, next going to Saturn and Jupiter, I think Jupiter and Saturn and or sorry, um, Jupiter and Saturn, we're getting to the outer planets. And this is more representing of the things happening seemingly to you or outside of you. So the next planet we come to is Jupiter. So that's your fate. That's your value. So you see, it's like a little outside of you. Mars is like an external, like, go make it happen. And then you get out there. And then it's like, but what do I value? And that's Jupiter. So where is my faith? It's also expansion. So it's a very optimistic planet. And it wants more and it wants. So Jupiter rules Sagittarius and Pisces, which are the most otherworldly of all the signs. And so there's this otherworldliness to Jupiter where it wants this big over the top other because also Jupiter is can rule travel and foreign places but even this like foreign energy it just wants the new and the expansion and creativity and healing and it's also innovative, but Jupiter is also like your faith and your religion and what you believe in. And it can be your higher education and it's your spirituality, but it's also what you are taught to believe. So depending on where your Jupiter is, if you have, for instance, I have an exalted Jupiter. And if your birthday, if you're born roughly around 1990, you're going to also have your Jupiter in Cancer, as well as our new president-elect, Joe Biden. He also has his Jupiter in Cancer. And this is a place Jupiter loves to be. Jupiter loves to be in Cancer, loves to be in Pisces, loves to be in Sagittarius, and then has different feelings about the rest. Some okay, some, you know, it works well with some signs, less well with others. But so Jupiter and Cancer, it's a it's a harmonious energy because Jupiter wants to expand and heal and wants to learn and wants to grow. And Cancer wants to nurture and wants to create and wants to get into that feminine energy. And then I also have my Jupiter in the house of Pisces or in the Piscean ruled house that rules 
that is also ruled by Jupiter. So that's more like my meditation. So I can really get into a meditative place with this Jupiter and I can find a lot of faith. And also Jupiter represents your faith and trust in yourself and in others. So I have a really strong faith in my own intuition and my own beliefs. And I've always had a really strong, intuitive, spiritual, rich life where I've been connected with so many other worlds. That's really, it's a flowing energy for me. Whereas, you know, for instance, if you have your Jupiter in Virgo, you might get really caught up in analyzing like what you believe. My brother has his Jupiter in Virgo and that's a less harmonious energy. And Jupiter wants the big picture and then Virgo wants all the details, but it's still, here's the thing. It's not bad. So he's like cool as fuck to talk to because he has these Big, I'm just saying, like, for him, it is an internal struggle. Like, he feels that tension because Jupiter is like big ideas, expansive energy, um, philosophy, religion. And then Virgo wants all these details and wants to understand why and wants is Virgo, Jupiter and Virgo is like, can't see the forest for the trees and can't see the trees for the forest. Like they're just back and forth and back and forth. They're at, at macro, micro, macro, micro. So when the, a native, meaning the native, like you, when this um, energy gets balanced, you're able to explain things in like great detail to people and have a, like he know, my brother knows a lot about a little, a little about a lot which is a very Jupiter and Virgo. Like they know lots and lots of things, but they, he, and he also will find one thing and then know a whole, whole lot about it. So he kind of goes back and forth with both. Um, whereas a Jupiter and Sag might not know all, any of the details, but they understand this big P, this big picture, and they may not care that they don't have all the details. That might not even be important to them. Um but also like a Jupiter and Virgo, they can get really stressed out. And also I'd say Jupiter and Gemini with all the information because it's like more and more and more. And I just need more information and more information. And then I'll be able to have faith. But that's not how faith works, right? Because faith isn't about information. It's about a transcendence of the information. So again, this isn't good or bad. But for the native, it can be so for my brother, it, that can be a difficult, challenging place to learn how to manage that energy. Um, and he actually has a Sag moon, which I think helps him. So he has this Sagittarius mother, which is the moon, who you know, has always encouraged this big picture thinking and more spiritual way of life. And I'm also, a, you know, a, a, a feminine energy in his life that has a lot of Jupiterian energy. So I'll also do that for him and help him see the big picture. So you see, like, he's supported by that. And so you never want to see your chart as like good or bad. You're just understanding how the energies are working and where to look for. So for him, like, okay, he needs some of that Jupiter support. Oh, great. He can look for his moon. He can look towards the feminine energy in his life, helping him see the big picture and not get so caught up in all the details and not be so critical of himself. Um so that's your Jupiter. Today's a Jupiter day. So obviously Jupiter got a ton of airtime and probably a better description than any of the planets. Um, and then after that, we expand, we expand, and then we get to Saturn. And Saturn is, no, <laughs> Saturn is con contraction. It's, so Jupiter's growth, so think about like a mama's belly getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then Saturn is the contraction, and it like trying to come out, and it's restriction, and Saturn also rules government, it rules tradition, it rules society, so it's ruling, it's that thing outside of you. So Saturn also, I don't always love it, It I don't love representing it as the father always, but it does have... Saturn as the father, the moon as the mother. There's some of that going on. I don't love that, if I'm being completely honest, for Saturn. I like to think more of, like, the sun and the moon in those regards. But so when I say father, I don't necessarily mean, like, your father, like, your fem your masculine energy, but more of, like, this external structure that are the rules that feels like big dad, like, daddy's watching, <laughs> if you ever, ever felt like that, or, like, big brother's watching, or there's this rule book that I have to, this code of ethics that I have to follow, or I'm going to get thrown out of the system. That's, that's mass, that's the patriarchy. It's a, it's your, it's authority. 
Um, and Saturn represents that, but it also represents society. So where we look to Saturn in your chart, it's where you may have blocks. It's also where you are creating structure because if everything we've talked about so far, think about it, like Venus, it's how you're relating. Mercury's information. Venus is how you're relating. Mars is how you're, you know, putting yourself out there, moving forward, Jupiter's expansion. and th- But nobody's made shit. <laughs> and Saturn's like, yo, we got to make something with all this. So like loving all the energy, loving, but we got to make some things. So Saturn is like <laughs> the buzzkill a little bit sometimes because they're like, okay, party's over. Like, let's, let's get to work. But we need that, right? Because if we want to build things that last and we want to influence society, we need that structure because we're in a structured reality. So to create things that last in this reality, we need that Saturn energy. Also, Saturn's really great about helping you figure out where you are in excess and helping you pull back and get some self-discipline. Saturn helps you realize that you don't have to have as much as you think you have to have. It's, um, it's discipline. It's, but it's structure so that things can grow later, because if you don't have structure, you can't contain things. So if you don't have a glass for the water, the water, you can't drink it very long, right? Like you can take a little sip, but you have to have that structure to hold the water, if you want to hold on to the water for any length of time. And a lot of us have been feeling the Saturn energy really strongly. If you are finishing up your Saturn and Capricorn, even if you have Saturn and Aquarius, I would put you in this camp too, because you've, you're our Saturn sister sign. And you've been feeling this as well, as well as you've, you've started your Saturn return a little bit already. So but there's but for everyone whether or not you have your saturn in pisces or gemini or whatever or scorpio you've been feeling this we've all been feeling the heaviness and the density of capricorn energy which has really been trying to cut away and get us in place and but we've also been seeing this restructuring of our structures of external of religion and tradition and these things crumbling and coming down so but in your own chart this is these are those structures it's also something you want to work with saturn in your own chart because it's it's not a bad it's not it is a malefic it's called a malefic meaning it can be a a harder or more negative energy, just like Mars, especially if you have a night chart like me, Saturn can be more malefic in nature because it's generally, if you have a day chart, you're, you work a little bit better with structure. If you have a night chart, you don't work as well with structure. Um, Again, I'm a Capricorn, so I work better with structure than a lot of night charts. And Saturn's nicer to me because I'm, I'm kind of like the, I'm a rogue sheep for Saturn, a little, or of Capricorn. It's like, okay, well, you have all these planets in Capricorn, but you are a night chart. So you're going to feel it a little bit, but like I grew up with Saturn. I know how this works. Um, so you can kind of start seeing how the planets are dancing together. But yeah, Saturn is your structure. It's your routine. It's where, it's where you also may, you really need to take authority over your life and take authority over yourself. So somebody, for instance, that has Saturn in the eighth house, that's actually a really great place to have Saturn because the eighth house is the house of death. Um, So somebody that has Saturn in the eighth house, they may live a really long time because death is almost blocked, but also the eighth eighth house is the house of debt. So they may not have a lot of debt or they may actually be really great at staying out of debt, but they also might have a hard time with intimacy. Having Saturn in the eighth house is a block to intimacy because that also rules the eighth house. So, and then versus like, So having Saturn in your seventh house, which is your house of partnership, it might take you a while to find a partner, but when you do, it's going to stick. When you do, it's going to stay. It's going to be a really strong, powerful relationship. Now, again, depending on Saturn and Sag, so if you're a Gemini rising and your Saturn is in Sagittarius in your seventh house, that might be a little bit trickier of an energy to manage um, because Saturn doesn't really like being in Sag. 
So it could just come off as like blocks a lot versus if you have Saturn in Aquarius in your seventh house and your Leo rising, you might just be a little bit no more like no nonsense when it comes to dating and just always be a bit more mature in relationships or attract partners that are older than you. Um, but again, it could just be that you take a while to find the partner. And when you do, it's somebody that sticks. Um, versus having like Saturn in your first house, that can be sometimes people with Saturn in their first house, they're very thin, um, or they have really thin, brittle hair. Cause again, the first house is your physical body. Um, they might just be a very skinny person in general, or they have a gaunt face. Um, and so it's just, it's bringing in this restriction versus having like Jupiter in the first house. You might be a very, a fuller person or have fuller breast or, um, or just be larger in general. Um, so you can kind of just see how, depending on what house it is, it's going to have a different energy. So that's, so that's Saturn and it had been my Saturn return. So Saturn also got a lot of airtime and I'm a Capricorn. So I'm always going to try to give Saturn so much airtime, um, and then we next have, I guess I'll just share the rhyme with you guys. It's mother very early made jelly sandwiches under no pressure. And that's the order of the planets. Mother is Mercury, very Venus, early Earth, which, you know, we're not talking about Earth. So we talked about the moon. Um, early made Mars, jelly, um, Jupiter, jelly sandwiches, Saturn under, which brings us to Uranus. Um, and then no pressure, it's Neptune, Pluto. So Uranus, Uranus in your chart is where there's like shakeup. It's also like innovation. It's where you're maybe a bit odd or a bit different. So for instance, if you have Uranus in your seventh house, you might be different with your partnership. Like you might have a very non-conventional partnership. You might, and that can, and it really depends on like what's non-conventional for your family. So maybe you don't ever have a traditional marriage, or maybe you're somebody that has multiple partners, or maybe you're somebody that doesn't stick with one gender and you flow back and forth. Um, versus if you have Uranus, like in your second house, which is like your finances. And you might find like that you have burst and random bouts of money, either making money or spending money, depending on the Uranus placement. If Uranus is in like a sign that it works well with it, you know, depending, but you're for instance, most of us, a lot of us, especially listening to this podcast, will have your Uranus in Capricorn. So if you have, um, Uranus and Capricorn, you might like come up with business ventures really quick. You might all of a sudden have like ideas as to how to make money or how to put structure um, to money. Uh, Uranus and Capricorn is a very interesting energy. Um, it's innovative of traditional structure. So I kind of think that Uranus and Capricorn likes to take the old and make it new again. So we do that in weird ways in our life, or maybe even just like Uranus and Capricorn, you work with your finances online, or you have a very innovative way of budgeting or looking at money um, versus having Uranus in, let's see, your... 10th house might mean that you you're you change jobs a lot or you have to have a lot of stimulation in your job you might do kind of an odd job um that isn't a super typical thing or you just might have a job that like it doesn't have a consistent schedule and it changes a lot day to day um so that's uranus neptune is where it's your spirituality, but not like Jupiter. Jupiter is more like your faith and what you believe. And Neptune is more the mysticism. So Neptune doesn't give a fuck about the religious part of it. It doesn't care about what religion you are or what. So somebody with a lot of Neptunian energy or maybe has Neptune in their first house might be a little bit. I have a client actually and a friend who she has Neptune in her first house and she's just a very dreamy person. Like she just has this kind of ethereal quality to her. Like when she, even the way she talks, she just has this really dreamy quality. And Neptune also is creativity. So a lot of people with heavy Neptune influence, they're very creative. They write a lot of songs. They might, but they're really just in this other world. They, but Neptune, it's, it's not 
traditionally it does not rule the sign of Pisces, like some people will say. That's a more modern interpretation. But Neptune is associated with Pisces, and I don't like to over. I, I don't. I want to highlight that and not just completely ignore that. And Pisces has a really hard time knowing where it begins and where you know, where, where I stop and you begin, like just kind of getting lost. So they're very, a lot of empathy. So Neptune is also illusion. So it could just be where you don't see things clearly all the time. Um, so if you have like your Neptune in your 11th house, you might have some situations with friends that come up a lot that you don't really understand. And there's just as maybe it can be deception. It could also be that you just have a lot of very spiritually in tuned friends. So as you can see, there's different like manifestations and vibrational levels of these different planets. So there's not like one good place or bad place. But right now, Neptune is currently in the sign of Pisces, which it it likes being there. And so we're going, we're moving into a much more like spiritual and otherworldly way of looking at religion, of looking at our ideals, of looking at our values. Like we're coming out of this really traditional system, rigid way of doing things. And so that's Neptune. And then Pluto, oh, Pluto. Pluto is a, like a little bomb. It is the transformation. It's a scorp it's associated with Scorpio again in traditional or in modern astrology, I even believe they say it rules Scorpio. I personally in traditional astrology and what I believe is that Mars rules Scorpio and Aries. Um but I do like to at least speak, say, you know, Pluto and Scorpio have some association because they both do have this death and rebirth, this phoenix rising up from the ashes. So where you have Pluto in your life, it's a lot of dynamic. It can also be like a place of like a lot of pain or like destruction that has created some sort of healing or rebirth energy where even maybe you're now healing others. So for instance, I have my Pluto in my fourth house and your fourth house in Scorpio and your fourth house is associated with your early upbringing your early conditioning. And my dad died when I was little. My brother and I, I think we both have, I might be wrong about that, but I definitely have Pluto in the fourth house. And so I had this very like literal death early, early in my life. And it, it's come out, of, it's become a rebirth thing where I now have a lot of power to heal. And where you see Pluto in your chart is where you have died and risen again and that Christ energy, and where now you can save people. And so depending on where you have that, so if you have Pluto in your first house, you might be somebody that changes your appearance a lot. Like you physically change your physical body, and there's constantly like this reinvention, this death and rebirth of who you are and how you conceptualize yourself. If you have Pluto in your 10th house, your house of career, or somewhere around your midheaven, you might change jobs a lot um, and quit jobs and jobs end. Um, if you have Pluto in your seventh house, you might find that relationships end a lot for you, but that they have this transformative power when they do. And that doesn't mean to say that you'll never have a lasting relationship, but even when you do, it'll be a relationship where there's constant deaths and rebirths. So even if you choose to stay with the same partner, there will be a death and rebirth energy to your relationship. Um, and I have Pluto aspecting my seventh house, and I can definitely say that that's true for me. So, and I, um, so that's just a kind of a peek at what planets can tell you. I also look to Chiron, which is actually, um, it's a centaur, um, and it is not a planet, but it plays a big role in the chart and it shows where you, it's called the wounded healer and it's a place of pain where you also have the power to heal. So a little bit like Pluto, but Pluto I think is more of like, I feel like Chiron's a little bit less like Pluto's almost like this has killed you. And if you like, you will rise from the ashes or die. And Chiron's a little bit more like this is a place of pain I've gone through more consciously, but then I can also use to heal the world. That's how I see it at least. Um, 
And then also we have a few other points that I'll talk about some, and that's your midheaven. Your midheaven is kind of the thing you're known for. It's how you're seen. So for instance, it's in some people would associate this with their career, um, but it's not necessarily your career. It's like how you're seen. So I have my midheaven in my ninth house, which is like, I'm a teacher and that's the house of teaching. It's higher, it's philosophy, it's religion, it's higher education. So I am known for that. That's I am a teacher above all else. And whether I'm teaching children music or whether I'm teaching about astrology or I'm teaching about philosophy, I have this, yeah, philosophical teacher way that I approach my career um, versus people that have their midheaven more in their 10th house, they may be more focused on building business or building capital or building a physical business more um, rather than like the education. Um, And then, so that's your midheaven. It's kind of like what you're known as. Um, And then if you have your midheaven in your 11th house, it's more like society and community and you. So, um, entertainers a lot of times will have really heavy 11th houses. Um, People that are just anywhere in the public eye will have a lot of energy in the 11th house. Um, So they're, they're very community. If you have your midheaven and seventh or 11th house, you're going to be very community oriented and your audience is very important to you. Um, Again, there's so many nuances and different things that go into all of that. That is a really quick overview of some of the chart points that I use. There are honestly so many other chart points. There's the Lilith moon. There's a ton of other asteroids and centaurs. I don't get, oh, there's also, I didn't say this. There's also the North and South node, um, which talks about your purpose. Your North node is your purpose, where you're headed in this life. And your South node is karma, past lives, early life. Um, So, and really you get, I think more getting your North node around your first Saturn return, which is around age 28, 28 and a half. Um, Those three years, I think that your North node becomes more and more apparent. Um, But it's something you may be aware of your whole life. I have my North node in my seventh house, which is partnership, um, marriage. So I've always knew that was a really, really big part of my life, but it wasn't a part of my life until my Saturn return. So at least like a consistent part of my life, but that desire, that very strong desire was always there. So again, so much information that I did not even kind of go over. I am going to spend more time breaking down all these aspects in the chart and going through the houses and going through the different signs. So stay tuned for that. If you guys want a reading, please, please, please get on my website. Use the link in the show notes. Getting a reading will change your motherfucking life. Motherfucking. Um, Maybe not change your life. Might be being a little dramatic there. But it's definitely going to open up your eyes and help you activate your own energy so, so much. So I love doing readings for people. And it's what is really cool about a reading is it's like, you know, if you go to therapy, which by the way, not knocking therapy, love therapy, but you go to therapy and you're working out your problems and you're talking about your problems and you're talking about your problems and talking about your problems. Astrology isn't something that you're going to have to come back week after week after week after week. And I know that's not all therapy is, but I'm saying like astrology is more of like, I'm just saying like, you're not going to have to come back week after week after week to get something from this. I'm going to like give you an activation blueprint of how to activate your own energy that's currently going on and also like your native birth chart energy. So it's 75 minutes, totally worth it. You get so much out of it. Um, you can record it, re-listen to it later. Um, Highly, highly suggest that Uh, if you want to check out my other offerings, I also do Akashic Records readings. Um, If you want to learn more about that, DM me. We can chat. Go on my website. I have links. I have all this explained and like what it is and what I'm doing and my rates and all that jazz. And then also there's intuitive branding, which is an 
uh, original system that I channeled that helps us tap into your intuition to find out the story that your soul wants to tell through your brand. So whether you're wanting to start a new business and the, you know, or a project, or you're wanting to shift your business or your brand, and this is a really great way we come up with business models, we come up with your schedule, we come up with your physical brand, we sometimes get names, we get timelines, and we look at your chart. We also take you through really getting connected with your higher self to help guide us through what this project is meant to do and be and or this business. So really cool. If you want to learn more about that, go to my website, the links in the bio or DM me sign up for a discovery call. These are great. They're 10 minutes. I'll chat with you about whatever. We'll kind of just figure out what's the best option for you. And and you can do that with any of my readings. So or any of my services. And I'm also a life coach, but I do more now like spiritual advising. So still doing coaching, but it's from more of a place of helping you tap into your higher self and get the answers for yourself rather than coming to me and me working out your problems, but really getting in touch with that teacher inside of you um, and helping you see maybe some places that you're missing. Um, I do have a really strong background in coaching and have been doing that for a long time and emotional health and helping people make sense. And of course, I love using astrology and all these things if you're comfortable with it as well. So that's just a little bit about my services, my offerings. Please, please, please rate, review this podcast, subscribe, share it. If you do rate and review the podcast or you do share it on social media, please screenshot it, DM me at I Speak Human, the podcast. I would love to thank you and just send you all the love for supporting and connecting and hearing about a little bit about you. I always love to do that. If you have any questions or any suggestions for the show, please DM me and let me know those. I always love hearing from you guys. And as always, I hope you have a lovely day. Enjoy this energy wherever you're at in the world, whatever's going on. You're loved, you're seen, and we need you. Your story matters. Write your own story. You're powerful beyond belief. And I hope you have a fantastic day. Bye now.